Good morning. We are in part five of a series called Homecoming. We've been going through the book of Luke for a very long time, and now we're finally in chapter 20. We're starting from verse one today, but in case this is your first time joining us, I want to give you a quick recap of what's been going on. Jesus, who is the Son of God, has been doing some amazing stuff in the world. He's been healing people. He's been bringing good news to people. He's been taking the people who are outcasts and letting them know that they're part of God's family. And so pretty much everybody loved what Jesus was doing, except for the people who were in power. They relied on keeping other people down in order to make sure that they had a high and comfortable life. So let's continue our story from chapter 20, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. These three groups formed the Sanhedrin, by the way. Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? Okay, so you can just imagine, Jesus is in the temple courts, which is where all the foreigners, the people who are not Jewish, who want to worship God, are hanging out. And because these people aren't allowed to go through the next set of walls to get into the core of the temple, Jesus hangs out outside with these guys. Now, because these people are not allowed to go inside to the inner walls where people could worship God at a closer proximity to God's presence, Jesus decides to stand outside in the temple courts with these people who are excluded. Now, little do they know that Jesus is actually God, which means that God's presence isn't in there, in the inner walls. God's presence is actually out there with the foreigners and the Gentiles. So noticing that there's a big crowd outside of the inner walls of the temple, these religious rulers, the Sanhedrin, they come outside and they try to discredit Jesus by asking this question. By whose authority are you teaching these things? You're making these claims about God, which we don't know where you got it from. So who gave you the authority to teach these things? So here's a little cultural side note. Authority was a big deal back then. In the Jewish culture, it's called the Shmiha. So you're wondering, well, what's the big deal about that? What, what is this Shmiha you speak of? Well, you see, this is part of the Jewish tradition. If you go all the way back to the book of Exodus, God picked out a guy named Moses to do his work for him. He became the God-ordained leader to lead the people of Israel. Now, as Moses was starting to grow old and he was starting to wonder like, well, I'm getting old. I can't go to the promised land. So who are going to lead these people once I'm gone? So God talks to Moses and says, you need a successor. And the way you're going to do that is by you laying your hands on another person. And you're going to pass on your authority to that person. And that's called shmiha. That word literally means to lean on or to lay hands upon. So in the book of Numbers chapter 27, the whole process is mapped out for them. So, so far, what you need to know about Shmiha is that there's three people involved. There's a person who currently has Shmiha, there's a person that it's going to be passed on to, and then there's a third person who is like the priest, the person who's a witness, who's going to be a man of God to witness this whole thing take place. So, Moses does what God tells him to do. He brings Joshua, that's his successor, and he makes him stand in front of him and a priest. So, there's Moses, Joshua, and this priest. Moses lays his hand on Joshua, and in front of the priest, he passes on his authority to Joshua. So now Joshua has the authority or the Shmiha. And so eventually one day Joshua is going to pass on to somebody else and that person is going to pass on to somebody else. And it goes on and on and on. Now in Jesus' day, there's several people in society who have the Shmiha. Some rabbi or some teacher or some priest has passed on the authority to that person. And that person who now has a Shmiha, could say, by the authority given to me by Moses, I'm able to teach on this passage. I can say things like, hey, this passage, I know you've been taught a certain way. I know it's been said this, but from this day on, I tell you, 
that it means something else. And the reason they could do that is because they have the authority that came through Moses that came from God. So the Sanhedrin is asking Jesus a simple question. Do you have Shmiha? And if you do, who gave it to you? Let's see how Jesus responds. So Jesus replied, I will also ask you a question. Now you tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? To which you're probably thinking, wait a minute, Jesus answered a question with a question. And what does John the Baptist have anything to do with this? Well, Jesus is pointing to an event that happened three years before this event, when Jesus is walking in the desert and he comes to a river, the River Jordan, and he sees John the Baptist baptizing people because that's what John the Baptist does. He baptizes people. And so he walks into the river and then John baptizes Jesus. And the way that people got baptized back then, well, you go under the water and the person who's baptizing you brings you back up. And because of that, your hand is upon the person. Jesus says, yeah, I received my authority on that day when John the Baptist baptized me. So Jesus is answering their question with an interesting question, which is, well, I think I received my Shmiha from John. So do you think John was somebody who had Shmiha? I mean, can you trace John all the way back to Moses? Or was he just an ordinary Joe? Oh, there's one more thing you need to know about John the Baptist. When Jesus arrived at the river, there were thousands of people around John. He was a very popular person in the day. But by the time Jesus is talking about John, John has been beheaded. He was executed. He was a martyr. In the eyes of most Jewish people, he was a popular person who is now a martyr. No one talks ill about John the Baptist. Okay, so let's read on and see how the Sanhedrin responds to Jesus' question. They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, meaning that John the Baptist had Shmiha from God, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? In other words, if John was from God, that means that Jesus is legit. Jesus has Shmiha from John the Baptist. So they have no argument against Jesus. Everything Jesus teaches must be true. But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. Now, if we were to announce today that John the Baptist didn't have Shmiha, we're actually spitting on the grave of John the Baptist. They're saying, if we speak ill about John the Baptist, if we say something like, oh, John the Baptist, he didn't have Shmiha. He was not a person with authority. You don't do that. You don't speak less of a person who just died and is considered to be a hero. So Sanhedrin realized if we speak any less of John the Baptist than the popular opinion about him at this time, people are going to rebel. They're going to stone us. They're going to kill us. So they answered, we don't know where he is from. He's like, we're not going to comment. We're not going to say anything because we don't want to get in trouble. So Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Which means Jesus is like, I'm not going to answer your question because he already made his point. Now there's two things we learn about the Sanhedrin in this passage that Jesus just revealed. Number one is that these people, although they call themselves the men of God, they're enslaved by popular opinion. They aren't fully devoted to God. They care more about what other people think of them than they actually care about representing God properly. But the more important thing that's revealed in this discussion about the Sanhedrin is the second point. If they were not enslaved by popular opinion, what would they have said? If you look at the passage carefully, you'll discover that their opinion is that John the Baptist did not have Shmiha. They just couldn't get themselves to say it because they were afraid that they might be killed for saying that. So that means that the question still stands. Does Jesus have Shmiha? Does Jesus have the authority if John the Baptist didn't have the right to pass it on to him in the first place. And maybe some of you have caught this too, but 
Didn't you say that a shmiha is usually passed on in a ceremony with three people? From what I know, there's John the Baptist and there's Jesus and there's no third person. As a matter of fact, the person that's missing in this picture is the person with the shmiha who was going to pass it on to Jesus. Where is he? Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 3 and see how that scene is depicted by Luke. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, who I love. With you I am well pleased. Did you catch that? There was a third person there. Who was that person with authority who passed on Shmiha to Jesus? It was God himself. You see, the Sanhedrin, they received Shmiha through a long lineage of people going all the way back to Moses. But the lineage is so long and so convoluted that there's a lot of corruption in that Shmiha. When Jesus got baptized, when Jesus received his authority, he got it from God, his father. He got it from the source himself. So what is Luke trying to tell us in this short passage? He's not only telling us that Jesus has Shmiha. He's saying that Jesus' authority is better than anybody else's authority because it is pure. Another way of putting this is whenever Jesus teaches, you could take it to the bank. It is absolutely true. Everything he says will always stand. The way that he interprets scripture is the way that scripture is meant to be interpreted in the first place. So the follow-up question is pretty obvious, which is, well, what was Jesus teaching with authority? So let's go back in this story to verse 1. It says this, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts, meaning he was teaching foreigners, he was teaching Gentiles, and proclaiming the good news. Jesus was preaching the good news to the people who were not Jewish. And it was that teaching that triggered the Sanhedrin. So, what's the good news? If you grew up in church, you're probably thinking the good news is Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected and now we're free from sin. We have life abundant. That's what you probably think. But keep in mind, this story takes place before Jesus dies on the cross. So what good news was Jesus teaching to these people? You see, this concept called the good news goes all the way back to the book of Isaiah chapter 52. Now what's interesting about that passage in Isaiah is that the story that's told there is referring to the very spot that Jesus is standing. You see, hundreds of years ago, the people of God, the Jews, they were corrupt. They were doing some really, really bad stuff. And they thought that God would protect them no matter how bad they became. But eventually, God called them out on their bluff, and now the headquarters of God, Jerusalem, was destroyed. And in that rubble, people were starting to mourn, thinking, Oh my goodness, this is God's headquarters, it's destroyed, therefore God is destroyed. And as one of the watchmen was looking out from the rubble into the desert, he sees this person running towards him. And as he's running towards the city of Jerusalem, you can hear him screaming, Good news! Good news! So the poet writes in Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet that carries the good news. It's not the feet themselves that were beautiful. It's the news that the feet were carrying that was beautiful. So what is this good news? If you read on in Isaiah, it says that our God still reigns, that God has not given up on his people. So the good news that Jesus is preaching in Luke chapter 20 is basically this. Our God is a God of love. And this God of love is not finished with us. He's taking whatever is good that's inside of him and he's pouring it out into this broken one. So to quote a scholar of the book of Luke, this is what he says. To bring good news is intimately related to the inbreaking kingdom of God in Jesus' ministry and thus to the presence of eschatological redemption for those marginalized to society at large. So what Dr. Green is saying here 
is that God is not finished with us. God is love, God is good, and God is peace. And God is breaking in His goodness into this broken world. Everything that you think is wrong with this world will eventually be fixed. So imagine if you're the foreigner, the Gentile that's hanging out outside the court, and you're wondering, why can't I go into the presence of God? Jesus looks at him and says, hey, guess what? That's going to change soon. Or in a world where the poor are marginalized, Jesus comes to them and says, hey, guess what? That's going to change soon. Or to the women who are treated like property in those days, Jesus comes to them and says, hey, guess what? You're going to play a significant role in the kingdom to come. Jesus' good news that he was preaching was that God's good and perfect world is now breaking into this old and broken one. And as Luke just told us through the whole confrontation with the Sanhedrin, that message you could take to the bank. That teaching is reliable. Why? Well, because Jesus has the ultimate shmiha, the ultimate authority of any teacher in the world. So church, may we continue to have ultimate confidence in our Lord Jesus because He is the one with the ultimate authority. And may God bring His goodness into this broken world and continue to shape it until it looks more and more like heaven on earth. And together, may we all experience heaven together. God bless.